Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. God, glory. Amen. How many know that the world ain't got nothing on our music? Amen. Hallelujah. Some of you just want to bust out, man, and just throw down some chancla. Amen. And then some of you are reserved. You're like, oh, no, yay. You were legends at the Santa Fe Spring Swap Bee, boy. You know, you didn't care. You were out there by yourself, amen, and, you know. Come on. And we come, we come to church and we're like, oh, no. If they, they, they know you. Amen. It's good to be among family. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I get the opportunity. I want to thank Pastor for giving me this opportunity this morning. Do we have any new people here today? You're here today for the first time. Raise your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, on behalf of our Pastor Ruben, Reina, we want to welcome you. And, and after the service, stick around for a minute. We have a welcome table out in the back, and just, just get to know us. Amen. You'll, get, you'll find out, amen, that we're, we're, we're good people, and we just love you and just hope, want to make you feel welcome. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 13. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to minister, and the title of this message is Pursuing God's Heart. Pursuing God's Heart. Amen. Acts chapter 13, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, and it reads this. It says, well, let me go, let's go into a little something first. I want to just uh, give a little background. This is Israel, in the, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 8, you, you, you know that Israel is, they want, a, they want a king. They want a king like the other nations have kings. And, and at this time, up until then, God, God ruled over them. God seen every need that they, they, they required, everything that was taking place. But this was something that they wanted. They bring it to the prophet Samuel, and this displeased them, the Bible says. And he runs it down to them as what is going to take place, that what, what is involved, that when they come under this, this kingship, that they're going, to be, they're going to be ruled over, that their maidens were going to be uh, almost slaves in, in the palace, and, and just giving them all the breakdown of what is going to take place at, at your request. And so this displeases Samuel, and then we know that they chose Saul, and it was when they chose Saul that when Saul disobeyed what God had told him to do, God gave him specific instructions on what to do to slay every animal, child, every person, and Saul disobeys God. And for that, God took away his authority. David becomes anointed king. So we pick it up here in the book of Acts where Paul's addressing this in a, in a letter and it says, and afterwards they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, 
He raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Pray with me this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord God, to speak to your people, Father. Lord, I pray for those here this morning, Lord God, that hearts would be receptive. Father God, for that one does not know you, Father, I pray, God, that you would minister unto them, Father. And Lord God, that your glory rest upon your house, Father God. I step aside to ask, Father, that you take full control, Lord God. Let no flesh glory in your presence, Lord. I give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. Amen. 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 See, when you go through the Old Testament and the New Testament, we're going to find many that followed God. But it is only David that is recorded as having a heart after God. We, we know Paul. We know Paul was so zealous for the kingdom of God and building the kingdom of God. We know the apostles. There was Deborah. There was many, many women of God who, who, who did great things in the kingdom of God, Old Testament and New Testament. But... David had an interesting life in that the scriptures record both his triumphs and his failures. And one would ask is that if we see these things, and I believe that they're recorded to, to give us the understanding that we're human. We make mistakes. How many here make mistakes? Amen. About 20 of us. Amen. All right. <laughs> Because it's, it's a given. God, see, this is one of the things that God knows our hearts. He knows that what lies ahead. He knows our, he forgiven of, of our past sins, our presence, and our future. And see, but one of the characteristics of David is, is that he always came to a place of repentance. He always came to a place where he understood that the human nature fails God. And how many here want to give God thanks for the fact that he doesn't give up on you? Amen. Amen. See, today, I want to minister on pursuing the heart after God. Loving God. See, loving God is not a fatuation. Fatuation is short-lived. Amen. Some of you, some of you here, uh, I, I remember when we taught the, the, the tweens. And they were the, the fifth and sixth and seventh graders back at Buena Park. And I remember we, every, every time we had a, a session, there was always a debate with the young girls and the young boys because the young girls were all in love with Justin Bieber. <laughs> and it was always, you know, these boys coming back at them and this and then. They were so in love with them, with him. But now they've grown up and they realize, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? So the difference between a loving heart and a infatuation where you just say, oh, you're all in love. Oh, the blue eyes, his cleft on his chin, the way he twinkles when the light hits him so. But then after a while, you see the real them. And you say, what was I thinking? You know, I, I always tell this to, to my nieces, books before boys. Books before boys. And our, our, I tell our young girls, you know what? A man that is not after God's heart shouldn't be after yours. Find someone who loves God first. 
Amen? So we understand why David was a man after God's own heart, but we want to look at the elements that, that he qualified him to be exalted to this description. So the first thing I want to bring out this morning is keeping God's word. Say it with me. Keeping God's word. See, knowing God and his word are vital parts of our spiritual armor that we can't forget that we have the word of God. We have the sword. We have every answer to a question that you might have here in the word of God. It's timeless. People say, well, you know what? Uh, that was written by men thousands of years ago, but it's prevalent today. Every situation uh, from every, every walk of life is here in God's word to guide us and to lead us. So we are in a time where knowing God's word for ourselves is beyond important. See, we're living in some troubled times that we see all around us the battle against Christianity, the battle against families, the war against the families to take our children, to take their minds, to inter interact into the school system of their different beliefs. See, and it's up to us as the people of God to instill that into our family. See, it's not the children's department to teach your children, uh, uh, it's not up to the children's department to teach your children how to pray. That is something that needs to be taught into the home. In the home where you, show, you know what, you need to show your children how to pray. You need to gather your children and say, we're gonna pray and include them. See, when they start to see this in the household, they start to take it to the schoolyard. When they see their parents getting up and praying for situations and not worrying and bringing the, the needs to God, they see an understanding and have that understanding in their little hearts that my parents know who to go to. And we build that in them. See, we can't just take everybody's word for it. We need, to, we need to be close to the scriptures and we need to keep our eyes focused on what God is saying to the church. And this is requires obedience. Say obedience. obedience. Obedience is saying no to the flesh. Saying no to the things that your flesh is screaming yes. Where every fiber in your body wants to do sin. But you keep saying, you know what? No. No, I'm going to stand for God. No, I'm not going to go to that party. No, I'm not going to go that way. No, I'm not going to do that. What I want to do, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do it, flesh. Sometimes you need to scream at your flesh. Sometimes, man, the, the mind just starts going and you just want to start doing everything. And you say, oh, it won't. It, you know what? Uh, forgiveness is there. And the enemy gives you that little soft, sweet little, no one will know. You're way out here in Cucamonga. Ain't nobody know you out here. But the Holy Spirit will not let you. How many here have ever, man, had that situation where the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't turn down that street. You know the Holy Spirit. Some people refer to him as something. Something told me not to go that way. Something told me not to do that. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to you, telling you no, no. I mean, I've had situations. I remember one time where I was driving down the street. Me and my wife went to go pay a visit to, to a, a, a person who was ill. 
And I remember we were turning down the street here in, 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 in Orange County. And I, was, I just made a turn, and man, the Holy Spirit told me to step on the gas. And I figured, okay, the speed limit's 40. But I stepped on the gas. And at about a quarter of a mile down the, on the opposite side of the street, I seen two cars racing. And I stepped on the gas, and right when we crossed, one of the cars spun out of control, and it hit a tree that was right on the side of us. And that car, the force was so I felt, I felt the pressure just hit us, and I seen parts of the car. Man, it was there that I knew that the Holy Spirit was just ministering to me, telling me, you know what, step on it. Had it been that split second, or had I been going the speed limit, I think there would have been some, some turmoil there. But I know that when we stay connected to God and we walk in the spirit of God, God guides us, God directs us, God leads us, God tells us, look, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. And when you're connected to God, you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you have the discernment that God has given you and you're able to make wise choices, wise choices. So we're saying no to the flesh, no to the temptations. And David wrote this in Psalms 119, 11. He says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, when you start putting the word into your heart, when you start bringing the things of God into your life, it starts flushing out all the nonsense. There's no room for nonsense when you're filled with the things of God. When you come to that point in your walk with God where you say, I want more of you, God. I want more of you. I want to learn more about you. I want to seek your face. I want to seek your word. I want your word. And you start quoting the word of God. See, when you come to that point, that's where you know that you're maturing in the things of God. That's where you find yourself not always running to Tia Concha, not always running to Facebook, not always running to all these avenues that you used to for counsel. When you have it right before you, when you could just get on your knees and say, God, I need an answer. God, I need to press in. I need to hear from you, God. <laughs> Believe me, I know there's opportunities and there's times where you could ask advice to somebody who you trust. And that's good, that's a good thing. That's why we're here, iron sharpens iron. Where you could say, you know what brother, I have a question. I have, an, I have a, a, a question that's been weighing on my heart and I've been waiting for them to preach about it but I haven't heard of it but let me ask you, does the scripture say this, does the scripture say that? And if that individual is connected to God, they'll have something for you. But I always tell people, have you prayed on it first? Have you prayed on it before you shot out an answer? These are the moments where we say, you know what, God, help me. And let me store up your word in my heart, in, in my heart so I won't sin against you. See, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin towards you, against you. The second thing is to seek God with all your heart. That's going to involve discipline. Say discipline. discipline. Now, it's not a bad word, right? I know sometimes we hear the word discipline and we cringe. But how many know that the Lord disciplines those that he loves? He's a good father. He's a good father. He gives you good instructions, sound advice. He will never lead you astray. He will never lead you 
into an area that is harmful to you. God has a good plan for you and I, a purpose for you and I, if we stay in the will of God. See, the, the, one, re- the one reason, and I believe it's one of the big reasons why no one advances or no one grows in the things of God is because they never allow the discipline to take place in their life. And if it's not allowed into your life, if you're not accepting and have a heart where you're saying, God, teach me, we'll never advance, we'll never grow. We stay stuck in a season and we never advance. And you always wonder, like, how is it that that individual, God is raising them up? That individual, his priority is seeking God, searching after God finding out what it is that pleases God and that when we walk upright. I've said this before. You ain't gonna get into heaven off of your spouse's commitment to Christ. God doesn't have son-in-laws. Right? He doesn't have grandchildren. Well, my dad and mom serve the Lord. Well, (laughs) you know what? They're praying for you. They're praying for you. They want you to serve the same God that they serve and have a relationship with their father like they do. I get that all the time. Oh, my uncle's a pastor. Well, praise God. Praise God. But you need a relationship with God. You need a relationship with God. And I get it. You know, when, I, when my wife first came to the Lord, I knew I knew it was only a matter of time before God got a hold of me. And I fought it. I fought it good, I fought it well. I was invited to church every Sunday and I just said, no, I'm good, I'm good. Hey, if they're selling tacos, bring me back a few. (laughs) But my wife chased after God. She was at bread breaking, she was at Bible study, she was at church, she was doing all the things, she was seeking after God. And I knew it was only a matter of time before God got a hold of me and God chased me down. Everywhere I went, Christians were there. I said, my God, these people are everywhere. (laughs) In the storefronts, at the park. I even went on a jury duty and was stuck with six Christian women. (laughs) I thought to myself, man, this is God. I was looking for hidden cameras. Like, this is unreal. Unreal. We're going to open up in prayer before we deliberate. Okay. But God was showing me that, Anthony, you could run, but you ain't hiding nowhere. No, you nowhere. See, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, the first step is to seek him. Come to Jesus. Is it possible for this room to be filled with people who are this happy? Yes. Is it possible that God is able to transform an individual? Yes. God will take a cold heart and turn it into a heart of flesh. That is God, amen? Come on, let's give him some praise this morning. Hallelujah. See, seeking God isn't looking for security or recovering of your sins. Seeking God is you're seeking his presence and communion. Seeking to be in the presence of God. See, when we come to the house of God and we come in to worship, 
The worship is designed to bring the people of God into his presence. The Holy Spirit is here, but oftentimes our mind is not. Oftentimes we're just thinking like, man, what do I gotta do after here? I know I gotta do something, I gotta do something. Oh, 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 Target, yeah, Target, okay. And our mind is everywhere and we can't, we can't really feel it. And you look around and you see this individual over here with their hands raised and tears flowing because they tapped into the presence of God. See, that was the thing about David. Even though he was a man of failures and is documented there, the man was a murderer. The man was an adulterer. But the thing that set David apart to be called a man after God's own heart is that he sought repentance. He knew that he failed God. See, oftentimes there's those that walk around knowing that they failed God, but they think that nobody sees it. And if nobody sees it, it can't be recorded. God sees it. God sees it. And this is where you ask God, search me, God. Come, Lord God, speak to me. See, this morning, God, I, I know that there's an individual here that God is trying to get that person to commit greater. To, to lay aside things, but you, they worry about, because I remember one of the areas that, that I thought, this is like, man, all my friends are gonna cut me loose, and they did. That's how I knew that they weren't friends. Because now I'm not part of the clique. Now I'm not part of the jokes. Now I'm not part of that thing. I'm separated, and this is what God calls you a peculiar person. See, if you walk into the break room and everybody's waiting for you to tell you the latest joke, you've yet to get there. Because they look at you as just being part of them. The only difference is, is you go to church. See, the church this morning, it could be filled up, but there are people that come to church and they don't have a heart after God. It's just scratching something off of their to-do list on a Sunday, and the reason they're here is because they didn't have nothing else better to do. It was an option. God needs to be a priority. Where you say, God, you're first. The man who led me to the Lord always told me this, put God first and you'll never be last. Put God first, put God first in your life. Anthony, seek God first. And when you start to do this, you'll start to see the transformation that God is gonna do into your life. So the goal is to strengthen our relationship, to discover and understand who he is his character, to find out how to please him, to know his love and to become more like him. That is the goal, is that when people look at you and I, that they see a follower of Christ. They knew that they were with him. These were ordinary men because of their character, their character, to know him to know him. We know the story of the woman in Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 and 23. It gives a story about the woman. Jesus was invited to the house of Simon. Okay, so Jesus goes, and he walks into the house, and he sits down among the religious leaders. We know the story, the Bible says that a sinful woman, it describes her as a sinful woman walks in. And she just goes down there by the feet of Jesus 
and she begins to cry and weep over him. And then she takes her alabaster box and she breaks it and she anoints his head. See, the thing is, is that it's the custom of these people in this culture that when you were to come into the house, that they would greet you with a kiss. They would greet you with a kiss and then they would anoint your head with oil. It was a courtesy that they did. It was, it was just their common thing that they done. But see, they didn't do this to Jesus. So that tells me that it's possible to be in the presence of Jesus and not even know it. That you could be in the presence of God this morning and not even know it, not even feel it. And see, when Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, he says this in verse 47, or actually verses 44. It says, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I've entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And see, this bothered them. Some commentaries said, why did she feel so comfortable to just walk in like she had been there before? I love verse 47. It says, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. She became a woman of God who chased after the heart of God on that moment. No matter where you were, see, no matter where you are in your walk, you might be battling depression or you know what, I have so many problems, I don't even know if it could be corrected. Hear me when I say this, God is able. God is able. You could look to your right, to your left, to the rear, to the front, you are surrounded by people who experience that God is able. That God is able to take a person who is hurting, a person who is broken, and is able to transform them. He is able to forgive you of your sins. He is able to look at you and say, you know what, I have loved you from the womb. He is able to mend a marriage that is being destroyed, that the enemy is under, is attacking. He is able to transform your mind. He is able to take that depression. He is able to take that anxiety that keeps you up at night and give you a peaceful heart. He is able. He is able, see when we come to that conclusion where we say, God, I'm gonna seek after you. See, it is those individuals that when they seek God, they experience the peace of God. The peace of God. See, I love the peace of God. I love being in the presence of God and being alone because I'm able, sometimes I just need to just sit there and the Holy Spirit just says, don't say nothing, Anthony. Don't say nothing, just listen. Listen, see, there's no magic prayer or no special prayer that you could say. Sometimes it's just tears. We remember when Hannah walked into the temple and the priest thought that she was drunk because all she had was tears. She was pouring her heart off to God. See, God is looking for the individual who says, you know what, God, I want you. In this time, in these times of trouble, God, I need you, God. And you go before God and you say, here I am. 
I have nothing to offer you, God, but a hallelujah. A praise you, God. I love you, God, with all my heart and all my soul. That is what God is looking. He's not looking for sacrifices. I do this, I do that, I do this, God. God says, what have you done with me? See, we could get so mixed up in doing things for God. I met an individual at the market and he was running down the list of all the things that he does. But never in that conversation did I hear him mention the name Jesus. Me and I, me and I, me and I. I wanna, I wanna know that my heart is aligned with God. That I say, God, Lord, is, if there's something, God, you need to point it out to me. God, you need to search my heart. In Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So let me recap. First is to keep his word, to be obedient. Second is to seek him with all your heart. The third thing is to have a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit. In Proverbs 12, verse five, it says this, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. I like this version, it says, a fool is in love with his own opinion, but wisdom means being teachable. Teachable, have you ever been around somebody who's not teachable? Amen? You remember when you were a student? We knew everything. You can't tell me that. I don't, I, yeah, I've been there. No, 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 I know that. Yeah, yeah. I read the book. I saw the movie. I did that. I know all that. <laughs> I saw this quote, and I think it's cool. It says, at first you don't succeed, try, try doing what the Lord told you to do in the first place. <laughs> at first you don't succeed, try doing what the Lord told you to do the first time. Amen. How many know that God's always going to give you the right advice? So say, no, that's not for you, but I'll make it for me, God. You know what? She's going to come to the Lord. I know it. I'll marry her first, and then coming to Jesus is right there. Wise decisions. Don't accept responsibility. This is, this is what unteachable spirit looks like. It says they don't accept responsibility for their failures, but blame anyone and everyone else. God, it was the woman you gave me. You know, she gave me the apple. You gave her to me, so I just figured it was okay. Don't seek or accept one-to-one -one personal guidance or mentoring from parents, teachers, pastors, or elders. You're, not, you're unteachable. You don't need to listen to learn, learn anything that challenges existing practices and prejudices. In contrast, teachability looks like this. You're aware of your limitations in your own knowledge and your abilities. God, I know I don't know everything. God, show me. And you're open to people. Listen, anyone who's been walking in the Lord for a length of time and you respect them, they have words of advice for you. They do. Because they've made some mistakes and they've learned from them and they're able to teach you. The most of the time is, is, that is, is we're learning to do that. As parents, you remember, don't touch that stove, it's hot. 
but they want to see how hot it is, right? So we try, to, we, we, we try to prevent things from happening to our children, our grandchildren, but they want to find out for themselves and experience it. That's all this is. Is a person who's been walking in the Lord and when the pastor speaks to you and says, look, I don't think that that's a good idea. Have, you need to pray on it, you need it, but you know what, this, there's a small window of opportunity here, pastor. I, 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 if I don't jump on it, it's gonna, it, you know, they're gonna offer that position to somebody else. And that, take that position and then what happens is it starts to drift you away from God. And you start to, you start to, yeah, you know what, you got a, a, a title now, no, you're making a little bit more money, but your relationship with God is faltering away. It happens. It happens. See, David, he was not a perfect man. By any world standards, any. But the one thing that I grabbed from David's walk was is that he always made it a point to look to Jesus, to look to God, to look to the Lord and say, you know what, search me. In Psalms 86, 11, he wrote, teach me, Lord, what you want me to do and I will obey you faithfully. Teach me to serve you with a complete devotion. See, I believe in these end times that there's a lukewarm spirit that is coming into the churches. Compromise, looking for ways to serve God and still do what the flesh wants to do. There's no compromising the things of God. There's no easy way, no quick fix. You will suffer. You will be persecuted. You will be mocked. You will be hated for his name's sake. Are you willing to pick up the cross and say, God, I will follow you. I will follow you. See, having a heart after God doesn't mean you're perfect. It says, Father, I need you. I need you. You strive to seek after the heart of God. David cried out in Psalms 139, 23. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any wicked way in me. See, when you see individuals and they're always at the altar, it's because they're constantly checking themselves. We're never, or we should never get to a point in our walk with God where we say, I'm good. I don't need correction. I don't need, uh, I, I have all the knowledge. I have all the things that I need to make it in life. You don't. You don't. If you think you do, you fooled yourself. You fooled yourself. Young people, serve God while you can. There is no way that you will make it through life without being in the presence of God. Your parents have brought that to you. And you think, oh, like that young person told me, I have time. Time is so precious. You're here one moment, you're gone the next. Bible tells us to redeem the time. So this morning, I, I, I make this plea. Seek God's heart. Seek him while he still may be found. 
There will be a day when this church will be, will be empty. King is coming. He is coming for a church that is pure, a church that has sought after him. I never want to hear those words, depart, I never knew you. I never knew you. See, when you read that portion of scripture, they stood before the throne and started telling God all the things that they did. We prophesied, we preached, we cast out demons in your name. But I never knew you. They even referred to him as Lord, Lord. Now, when you say Lord, Lord, that's an indication that I know you. But for the Lord to say, I never knew you. But I went to church, my, I, I never knew you. Let's stand this morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to invite to anyone here this morning who does not know the Lord. You invited, you were invited here this morning because somebody loves you. Somebody wanted you to hear the message of hope. But there's something that God requires of you. That you acknowledge that you need a savior. So this morning, if you're here, somebody brought you or you just came on your own and you say, you know what, Anthony, I don't know Jesus. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Just raise up your hand. I want to pray with you. God sees that hand, young man. Is there anybody else? Is it maybe you're here this morning and you knew the gospel. You knew the Lord at some time. Maybe you were raised in church, but you never committed your heart over to God. Or maybe you backslid. You went away from God. You're a prodigal this morning. I'm going to open up this altar and I want to invite you. If you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand but you need Jesus in your heart this morning, I want you to come up forward. We all had to come this way. I don't want to embarrass you but I just want to let you know that there is something powerful when you admit that, God, I need you. Amen. Alan, if you could pray with this young man. I'm going to wait a few minutes because I know that there's somebody here who's struggling with it. Hallelujah. Come on, we're waiting for you here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, forward. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. If there's anybody else, you want to know Jesus, hallelujah. Father, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, God. Bless your name, Father. Bless your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I'm going to say this prayer. And maybe you didn't want to step out of your seat, but maybe you're watching us live on the stream this morning. Somebody shared this link with you, and we just want you to know that Jesus loves you. God, he loves you so much. I'm going to say this prayer, and the Bible says that if you believe it in your heart, you confess with your mouth that you will be saved. Written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I come to you, Father, 
asking that you forgive me of all my sins and wash me in your precious blood. I make this confession before man and that you acknowledge me before the Father. Help me to walk in your ways.